And it just kind of leads me to what I want to share with you this morning. If you've got your Bibles with you, if you I brought them and you've got them to open them up to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, I want to read verses 17 through 20 to you in just a few moments. For those of you that are at home, to give you a moment to find your Bible. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 20. And I want to share with you um, how or what do we have to rejoice about. I know that we're living in some difficult days. It seems as though that the effects of this virus are having adverse effects on so many of us these days. Some can't go to work. Students can't go to school. Families can't go to the hospital to be with their loved ones. Even this last week, I had to do a funeral that was only allowed to have family members attend. I could go on and on, but I won't. But what I want to remind us is that sometimes that as we go through difficult times, we, we tend to forget that Romans 8.28 means what it says. And he tells us that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Now for God's saints, the Bible tells us that no matter what we go through, no matter how many hardships, no matter what difficulties we go through, God says that He is going to work in our lives. He's going to work in the circumstances. He's going to work in the circumstances to change that which looks and seems difficult to us and bad and make something good for His glory. Sometimes it's easy to get discouraged. Sometimes it's easy to be dejected and forget what God has promised to us. Often it's easy for us to lose one's reason to rejoice. But why is it? Why do we lose our reason for rejoice? I think the reason we lose our shout, the reason we lose our joy, the reason that we lose our rejoicing in the midst of trials is that we lose sight of the real reason for joy in the first place. Now let's go to our text this morning. It, it takes us back to a time when Jesus was, was teaching his disciples to go out and do the work of the ministry. And Jesus had just sent 70 disciples out with a command to go out into the world and, and to uh, minister the gospel and minister hope unto the people. And the disciples come back. And they begin to excitingly tell Jesus all of what they've experienced. Now let's look at what it says in Luke chapter 10, in verses 17 through 20. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. Behold, I gave you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written 
in heaven. I want to talk to you this morning about the reason why we still have something to rejoice about. In the midst of all of what we're going through, in the midst of all of the difficulties and whatever is going on in your life, I want you to understand that God has given us something that no man, no virus, no enemy can take away from us. Over the years, many people have been put in prison and asked to deny their faith and to reject Jesus, but yet through their constant faithfulness, God reminds them that no man can take away this gift that God has given to us called salvation. So what is the real reason that we are, are to rejoice? Is it our circumstances that bring rejoicing from what we just read? No. Is, it, uh, is the real reason for our joy then uh, because uh, um, we, we have good feelings? No. It, it says in our text again, joy doesn't come from emotions. It doesn't come from feelings. Is it, it, do we get our joy because we get our own way? We get to do what we want to do when we want to do it? Well, not according to these days when we are under a, a, a restriction from moving about in our country. So joy doesn't come from that as well. But what does the Bible say? What does Jesus tell us? Where does our joy come from? The real root of our joy, my friends, according to Jesus, is not in feelings. It's not in circumstances. It's not even in getting your own way. Rather, joy comes from the assurance of knowing that your name, the name that you carry around, who you're known by, the one in which Jesus calls you by, that name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It is placed in heaven so that one day He's going to call our name and we're going to go home to be where He is. One of the things that we need to see, no matter what goes on in this world, no matter how bad things get, no matter what sicknesses we go through, no matter what tragedies we experience, there is a, a joy that comes from knowing that I have been saved by the grace of God. Knowing that Jesus died on the cross, went to the grave, and He rose again so that I could have the assurance of my salvation, the forgiveness of sin, and the hope of everlasting life. My joy does not come from my feelings. My joy does not come from my circumstances. And my joy does not come because I get to do what I want because that's never going to happen. I am a servant of the Lord because of His great salvation. So let's look at our text. The disciples have been out preaching, ministering in the name of the Lord, and they were seeing powerful things take place. Even demonic spirits were helpless against the power as they cast them out and had power over all of the illnesses and, and all of the sicknesses that were known that day. Jesus, however, shows them that the real reason, the true reason for rejoicing, the same reason that you and I have today to rejoice in the Lord, He tells them that salvation is the best and greatest catalyst to all joy in every believer's life. You know, I'm glad that He said that. Because I don't know that I'll ever cast out a demon. I don't know that I will ever... Um, be out in the mission field or have an opportunity to be able to do the great work that the disciples did back then. 
I am glad that Jesus says to us, it is not being that kind of person, that miraculous, that, that ability that brings about joy. I'm glad that He said that every child of God, no matter what we are called to do, no matter what limits we have on our abilities, God says that we who are born again, saved by the grace of God, have the privilege to be able to rejoice in what He has done. The only item that we are needed is necessary for rejoicing is a life that is placed in Jesus Christ. It, my friends, when you and I grasp that truth, we will want to shout from the rooftops that our Savior, our Lord, died for us so that we could rejoice in Him. My friends, somebody said to me, Preacher, if you need to, you can get up on the roof and preach. And I thought, well, maybe I need to preach it from the rooftops. What our world needs today is needs more Christians shouting from the rooftops, God has saved me by His grace. Not that I deserved it, but His grace gained. When I was in my sin, He died for me. My friends, when we recognize this, it won't be some circumstance. It won't be some feeling. It will be the fact that we have been born again. We will have a reason to rejoice. I want to give you three reasons today that Jesus teaches us here that gives us reasons for rejoicing. Reason number one, rejoice because you have eternal salvation. Salvation is more than a get-out-of-hell-free card. I know that there are a lot of people in this world who have first come to Jesus because somebody told them, if you don't make a decision, you're going to hell. And they said, well, I don't want to go to hell. I've heard about that place. It's a bad place. So they come to Jesus wanting a get-out-of-hell card. Listen, my friends, this is not a get-out-of-hell card. This is a re new relationship. This is a, a, a privilege to come into the presence of Almighty God. Salvation brings with it many wonderful gifts for every believer that we tend to forget as we fight the battles of life. I want to refresh your memory this morning with just a few of those wonderful blessings that we have that, that, that we receive because when our name is written in the Lamb's book of life and placed in heaven, nobody, nobody can take that away. Nothing can remove it. There is nothing that will erase that, our name from that wonderful book. Now, we have many benefits of salvation, but I want to give you just a few this morning just to encourage your heart. Uh, first of all, I want to talk about relationship. You see, the first gift that we have in coming to know Jesus Christ is that we are born into a relationship with Him. He has come so that we might have life, that we might come to Him in relationship. As a matter of fact, the very instance of our conversion, a new relationship is formed. If you go to your Bibles and look at 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it tells us that at the moment of salvation, we instantly become a child of God. God says to us, as a child of God, now you are a part of the family. God in heaven becomes our Father, and we enter into a special relationship with Him. And I want to touch on two aspects of that relationship. First of all, how does one become a child of God? My friends, there's a word that we use today to bring somebody into our family. We call it adoption. 
Adoption is a wonderful word in God's uh, vocabulary because every one of us were strangers on the outside, but when we came to Jesus through salvation, Jesus said, you are adopted into the family of God. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6 talk about that. Paul talked about it again in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 in verses 17 and 18. He says, when we are saved, we are adopted into the family of God. He takes us as a child with all the rights and privileges thereof. Adoption was a serious matter in those days because he, uh, um, adoption uh, gave certain rights and privileges to those uh, people. Now, there were three legal steps that were taken. First of all, the adopted son was adopted permanently into the family of God. He could not be adopted today and disinherited tomorrow. Once you're adopted, you're adopted forever. You're a part of that family. You become one of that family. You may not have their genes, but you carry their name. You are adopted into that family. You become a son of the Father forever. He was eternally secure as a son. The second truth, the legal truth of that, adopted sons immediately have all the rights and privileges of a legitimate son in this new family. Listen, the Bible says that when we are adopted into the family of God as a child of God, we become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Do you know what that means? That everything that the Father has given to His Son, Jesus, He gives to you and I. We have all the privileges, all of the benefits, all of the gifts of heaven at our disposal, friends. We're just simply not using them. It's time for us to claim that which comes with our adoption into the family of God. We have every right to call heaven down. We have every right to lift up and to encourage one another. We have every right to cry out to our Father and ask for His blessings, for His help in our time of need because we are His Son. He doesn't look at us as an illegitimate son. He looks at us as He looks at Jesus. When He looks down upon us, when we are covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. He doesn't see a red-headed stepchild. He sees his children. And my friends, that is something to rejoice about. The adopted son completely loses all rights to his old family. Now listen to that. Just think about that for a moment. What we had in our past, and all of us have a past, Every one of us, when we come to Christ, come with a past. When we come, all of our past is forgiven. It's forgotten. It's thrown away. All of the past is destroyed. And we are given, the being adopted as sons, we are looked upon as a new person. That's why the Apostle Paul said, we become a new creation in Jesus Christ. As adopted into the family, the old life is obliterated. It's gone. It's destroyed. It's forgiven it's covered under the blood and we become a new creation we are brand new in Jesus Christ my friends I want you to know that just being adopted into the family of God is something to, to rejoice about but listen it's not only about relationships through adoption there's also relationships through access God says that He has given us access. As a matter of fact, when Jesus died on the cross, at that very moment, the Bible says that the earth shook 
and, and the temple veil rent from top to bottom, meaning it ripped, it separated, it opened, giving all of us access. As a matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews reminds us that we are to come boldly to the throne room of God. We have full access to the Father through what Jesus Christ did for us on Calvary's cross. Therefore, we can take our burdens directly to Him. We don't need to go through a mediator, a human mediator. We have a God who has come to die for us, who has come to save us, who has come to be our, our, our propitiation for our sin and our mediator before the Father. We can take all of our hurts and all of our, our troubles to Him and find healing there. Because we are children of God, we can go to the Father and we can cry, Abba, Father. And then third, secondly, uh, we find that not only there is the relationship, but there is renewal. When a person comes to Jesus for salvation, something happens. That old becomes new, and, and all the decay and rot of our life and our past has become brand new. And the Bible reminds us that we are cleansed by Him. 1 John 1.9 reminds us that if we confess our sins, He, the Lord Jesus, is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My friends, you and I, when we come before the Lord Jesus Christ, at the moment of salvation, we have been cleansed completely. But thanks be to God, when you and I mess up, and by the way, we will mess up, we have an advocate who is the, before the Father interceding on our behalf. And when we confess our sins, He says, I wash you white as snow again. But then we are changed. Not only does He take that oh, past away, not only does He take the sin away, not only does He take the disgrace away, my friends, I want you to know that we have uh, not only changed now, but we are changed for the future. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 reminds us that we become new creation. Uh, not only now, but think about it, my friends. The Bible also tells us in 1 Thessalonians that there's coming a day when the Lord shall return and we shall meet Him in the air and we shall all be changed. What that says is this old mortal flesh, this old sinful nature, this old battle of life, one day it's going to be laid down and we're going to take on an immortal body, a sinless body. We're going to have a new body that will never grow old and never grow weary. One day we're going to change for his glory no longer can the things of the past be used against us but my friends we have been redeemed and we've been set free I love that song that tells us that our chains have been broken uh, the chains of sin no longer hold us down they no longer hold us to it but Jesus Christ set us free not only that but we are rewarded Listen, my friends, one day we're going to be rewarded, but we're going to be rewarded today. As hard as it may be to imagine, the Lord is going to reward His children both uh, now and when we get home. According to Titus chapter 3 and verse 7, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That is, we literally share in the ownership of everything that belongs to the Father. You see, my friends, what you and I have today is we have ownership with that in heaven. Most of us are sitting around waiting for one day when we get to heaven, we're going to have it made. Listen, my friends, let me remind you, you don't have to wait for heaven. You've got it made today. 
You've got it made. If you're in Jesus Christ, you have all the fullness of His glory right now in you, over you, for you. All you have to do is call upon Him and He will glorify Himself through you. We literally share not only in the life to come, but in the life that we're living, we share in His glory together. And then there is rescue. My friends, in this relationship, God promises a rescue. Now, there are some of us that are, that are struggling more than others in these days. Some of us are having harder times than others. And I want you to know that God promises that He is there for you. He promises never to leave you nor forsake you. But listen, my friends, God says that He has a future rescue for us as well. In the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 12, Daniel chapter 12 verse 1 tells us of a time when those whose names are written in the book of life will be taken out of this world. We believe that uh, event to be known as what we call today, though it's not in the Bible, we have come to know it as what we call the rapture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, as I spoke of earlier, in verses 16 and 17 says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Fear not, for one day the trumpet's going to sound. One day the clouds are going to open and Jesus is going to be there and He's going to call the dead in Christ to Himself and He's going to call all those who are alive and we will meet them together and we will all be changed in the twinkling of an eye. You see, the reward is that God says that one day, and I believe that day's coming sooner than later. I believe we're getting closer and closer to the day when God is going to say to His Son, Son, go bring our children home. I can't wait for God to speak those words and for Jesus to get up from the throne and come and call His bride home. We will be taking those who are alive as well as those that are dead and we will meet together in that great, tri uh, that great rapture before that great tribulation time comes upon the earth. We will leave in an instance and spend eternity in glory with our Father in heaven. If you took these truths and had no other truths but these two truths, these would be enough for you and I to rejoice forevermore. But listen, I've shared with you that I want to share three things with you this morning. Here is the second thing that I want you to hear. Rejoice because you have eternal security. I, I want us to understand that, yes, we have a new relationship. We have a reason to rejoice because we're saved. But I want you to understand we have a reason to rejoice because our salvation is eternal. It's not just something here today and gone tomorrow. Not only are we saved and can shout about it, but we're saved forever and ever and ever. Notice the word that, that Jesus uses here in Luke chapter 10. He uses the word written. Now, there, there's a, a, a much deeper definition of this word, but let me give you the simple idea of it. The literal sense of this word here in the verb is that your name is written, and shall be written, and continues to be written in that book. Simply stated, Jesus says your name is written, and it stands written in heaven forever and ever and ever. Nothing or nobody can erase it. Will you, uh, with all of that, with all that life throws at us, with all the troubles, with all the struggles of sin,
I don't know about you, but I am sure glad that I don't have to work every day trying to keep my salvation. I'm so glad that, that I don't have to work at trying to keep my salvation any more than I had to work to get my salvation. The Apostle Paul said in, Roman, or in, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of works, lest any man should boast. If our salvation is through grace, then holding on to our salvation is through the grace of God as well. For by grace, my friends, not works, by grace, through your faith that Jesus Christ died and forgave you, it is a gift from God, a gift that you did not earn, a gift that you cannot hold on to. It's a gift that He continues to give. I'm so grateful that when the Lord um, gives us a gift, He doesn't give us a gift and then take it away from us. He gives it to us forever. There is no way for any child of God to lose his or her salvation. After all, we are not kept um, uh, by our works. We are kept by, our gra by His grace through our faith in the power of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, who, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to reveal that in the last days. If you and I ever catch on to this truth that we have been saved by grace and that we're held by grace, I think we'll come unglued. But listen to me, my friends. Here's the hope. You can come unglued, but you won't come unsaved. Amen? Amen. We can come unglued and get all excited about it, but we won't be unsaved. We're saved for all of eternity. The third thing that I want you to hear this morning is that we can rejoice because we have eternal satisfaction. Now what does that mean? If being saved and being eternally secure isn't enough to bring your heart to a time of rejoicing and praise, then perhaps the thought of heaven will do that for you. But why? Why does, why does the thought of heaven cause us to be um, emotionally charged? My friends, think about what it means. Think about what we have heard. Think about what the Bible tells us that heaven is. Listen to what it says. Because having your name written in the book of life spells the difference between heaven and hell. My friends, we've all heard of the, uh, of the horrific uh, uh, effects of hell. We've heard about the gnashing of teeth, the burning, uh, the agony, the, the torture, the endless days without our Savior. And the Bible says that whosoever's name is not found written in the book of life shall be cast into the lake of fire. Revelation 20 verse 15. However, if your name is in that book, then you're not going to the lake of fire, my friends. You are going to that eternal home that Jesus Christ has provided for you. Think about what John chapter 14 says. John chapter 14 and verses 1 through 6 talks about the fact that in my Father's house are many mansions, many, many rooms, a place that God has prepared just for you. A place that He has said that because your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life, He has made a piece of real estate in heaven just for you. Listen, I want you to think about that just for a minute. Because your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life, because God knows who you are, because His Son has died for you. Not only has God written your name in a book, but He said, listen, I've carved out a little piece of heaven just for you. 
In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, but I go and prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. What joy, what hope, when we receive Christ as our Savior, not only is our name written in heaven, you're enrolled as a citizen of that country, and you get a plot of heaven all to yourself. Philippians 3.20 reminds us of that wonderful uh, promise of God. Just think of what it means. It means that heaven is ours and that one day we will rejoice in all the glories of that heavenly city. Let me just take a few moments as we prepare to close this morning with a reminder of what heaven looks like. Every now and again I see the clouds must be moving away and the sun begins to shine as I see the sun shining upon your cars. I can just imagine the beauty of what that looks like. But listen, my friends, when we look to the heavens and we see how beautiful it is from this side, can you only begin to imagine how beautiful it is from the other side? But listen to what the book of Revelation shares with us. One day when we get there, there will be no more tears. There will be no more death. Just the other day, I walked through the valley of the shadow of death with one of our families. There will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. No more sorrow uh, uh, of, of loss of job or, or, or loss of, uh, of this or loss of that. No more sorrow of loss of relationships. No more pain. My friends, I can't wait until the day when our Father welcomes us into His home where there is no more pain. There's no more pain of seeing others struggle, of the pain of watching our loved ones take roads that we wish that they wouldn't take, live lives that they shouldn't be living, doing things that we know that's going to cause them great pain. But my friends, the Bible also tells us in Revelation that there's a place coming called heaven where there's no more sin. I'm telling you, I'm so glad that one day I'm going to be taken away from this sin world and, and, and the sin temptation of my flesh will be eradicated you know all those things are the negative sides of heaven the things that, that we do not like but let me give you a few of the positive sides of heaven here this morning you see when we look at the positive side it says that God will be with his people listen my friends the Bible tells us that one day we're going to be there, but not only us, but we're going to be in the presence of the Father. You see, the Bible tells us that heaven is made in such a way that as, as you and I have come here today to try to figure out how can I park you, how can we get the guys to put you in a place where you can see me, when we get to heaven, no matter where your piece of ground is, no matter where that mansion that God has got for you, you're going to be able to see the Father from every place in heaven. The Bible says that God is going to be with His people forever and ever and ever. But not only is God with His people, 
He says the Lamb of God is with His people. My friends, the one who died on Calvary's cross, the one who has nails, scarred hands, the one who has a pierced side, the one who was beaten beyond recognition for you and I, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Every day when we walk through the streets of gold, up and down the alleys, we're going to see and be experienced the Lamb of God who took away our sins. But my friends, not only that, every street that we walk on will be paved with gold. The golden streets of heaven will glisten as we see the glory of the Lord. And then we will see God's glory wherever we are. My friends, but listen, let me remind you of the last thing I want to share with you about the glories of heaven. We will be home home forever there'll be no more changes of locations there'll be no more packing our suitcases there'll be no more moving our furniture we will be home for all of eternity though a thousand years or though ten thousand years have passed we will have only begun to praise the Lord and rejoice as we are home there is so much more the Bible says about this place called heaven but these are things that I believe that are sufficient enough for you and I to rejoice. Not to look at the things of this world. Not to look at the sin of this world. Not to look at the de devastation of this world. Not to look at the, the, the restrictions of this virus and, and, and the troubles that it brings. But my friends, listen to the promise of God in which He brings. And we His people should be shouting and rejoicing together. It should be that the people of this world should hear God's people rejoice louder today than any other time in our history. My friends, I ask you today, are you rejoicing? Are you happy that your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life? Is your name been put there for all of eternity? These things are sufficient for you and I to partake in that glorious day. So let me close with a few thoughts. Even though things have changed, these last many weeks things have changed in our country as we have uh, done everything that we needed to do to, to combat this virus, this enemy that has stricken our land. And maybe for many it's been right, downright uncomfortable. I hope that you can see that if you've been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, by the hope of His salvation, we have much to rejoice about. The question that comes to mind is this. Have you been giving the Lord the praise that He deserves and is worthy of? Or have you been guilty of holding back because you've been feeling sorry for yourself or for this country or for our economy? And you've been grumbling and complaining. And I, and I have to confess, there's been days that I have grumbled and complained. And there have been days that I've had to get on the, the, my knees at the altar and cry out to God, forgive me for grumbling and complaining when I've got so much to rejoice about. I have my salvation. I have the hope of everlasting life. Do not let the feelings that come and go up and down. Do not let the circumstances of life that changes each and every day. Do not let the fact that you and I are not getting our own way be that which causes us to hold back our praise from God. 
but decide within yourself that God deserves our praise because He has reached down out of heaven. He has sent His Son to die for us to be buried and three days later raise again so that we could have the newness of life, that we could have what the Bible calls salvation. Let it be so that we decide that if we are saved, we're going to act like we're saved. We're going to praise God like we're saved. We're going to give God the glory. We're going to rejoice no matter how bad it gets. We're going to say, you know what? This old world can't give me anything that God has not promised me out of. Can I get a g- amen? Amen. The Lord is good to us for so many reasons. But the most important reason that we can praise Him for is, my friends, your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. But let me speak to those that might be out there listening this morning who have not experienced the gift of salvation. Let me ask you a simple question. Why not today? Why not today? Salvation is free to all who will receive The Bible says that for everyone who will recognize that they have become a a sinner, that, that, that they have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that there is nothing that you can do to forgive your sins, but Jesus has done everything to forgive you of your sins. When you realize that you need Jesus not only to forgive your sins, but to become the Lord of your life, to guide you, to direct you, to lead you into a path of righteousness. But remember, my friends, salvation is not a ticket out of hell. Salvation is a relationship. Salvation is is trusting Jesus and walking with Him and serving Him day by day. Listen, to receive that gift of salvation, all you have to do... Church, would you just pray for those that have not received Jesus yet? Would you just pray with me that they might receive the Lord Jesus Christ? For those of you that are wondering, how do you do that? You say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I confess that there's nothing that I can do to forgive my sins and to make me worthy to enter into heaven above. But Lord, I accept the gift of salvation that comes through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would come and be my Lord and be my Savior Lead my life. Guide my life. Let me live for you from this day forward. And I ask it in the precious name of Jesus who died on Calvary's cross. Listen, my friends, if you've prayed a prayer like that or a prayer that just simply says, Lord, I need you. I need you. The one prayer that God promises to always listen to is the prayer of salvation. So I beg of you today, ask Him and He will receive you into His family. He will adopt you into a child of God. He will be for you, your father, and you can be his child. But listen, if you have made a decision for Christ, if you have asked Jesus to be your Lord, or or if you need prayer or more information on that, would you do me a favor and give our office a call? 336-246-2012 Or email me at pastorsteve.com at midwaybaptistnc.org and I promise you we will respond we will call we will email you back we will get in touch we will send you literature that will help you to know how that you can walk in that newness of relationship with Christ our greatest desire is not only to preach the gospel but to teach our people how to live for Jesus Christ 
as the church is praying for you that are lost. Church, we need to remind ourselves to be able to praise God for our salvation. So may it be today that as we lift our voice before you, as we cry out to you, Lord God, would you hear us? Would you pray with me before we have our invitation song? And listen, if you've not made that decision, listen to this song. This next song is a song that I believe that will stir your hearts to be drawn unto him. Father, I pray that you would take this next song and use it, Father, to speak unto your people, unto those that are listening, that they might draw near to you, and Lord, find hope and salvation in you. So Lord Jesus, do your work through the working of the Holy Spirit, I pray in Christ's name.